Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of Real Charlie Speaks. Today is December 3rd, 2022. I'm your host, Philip R. Real Charlie Speaks is a podcast spinoff of the film and television review blog, Real Charlie. Once a month, I discuss an older piece of art, either a film, a book, a television series, um, or perhaps even an author, I talk about how I felt when I first discovered it way back when and how I feel today. In other words, if it holds the test of time. So today I'm thrilled to be discussing all things holiday and Christmas. So I'm talking about Christmas films, holiday films, uh, TV shows, and we're going to run the gamut from like things that uh, were created before I was born and before most of us were born all the way to the present day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work chronologically in reverse. So I'm going to start with some of the more recent things in the last couple of years that I really loved. And then I will slowly work my way up into the really classic pieces. And I'm going to end, of course, um, with White Christmas, um, which is my favorite uh, holiday film of all time. And I'm going to talk about why that is um, and all those great things. So are you ready? Um, do you've got your cookies in the oven? Do you have your uh, spicy holiday tasting tea perhaps being brewed? Um, anyway, let's get going. So the first thing I want to do, as I mentioned, is I want to just briefly talk about, just kind of really quickly talk about some of the uh, more recent films that have come out in the last couple of years that have really caught my fancy. So uh, the first one I want to mention, again, just really briefly, is there is there's a, there was a great film made in 2018 called The Christmas Chronicles, and there was a sequel to it as well, uh, The Christmas Chronicles 2. Uh, this was about two little kids, uh, siblings, um, brother and a sister. They decide that they're going to capture Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. The plan goes bad, and the kids end up having to join forces with St. Nick um, and his elves to save the holiday. So it's one of those uh, great sort of kids and adults coming together, mayhem, um, really, really sweet. Kurt Russell, who, um, you know, I think everyone adored when he was younger, and now he's kind of in his major daddy mode with uh, as Saint, uh, Santa Claus. And, of course, his long-term partner, Goldie Hawn, as Mrs. Claus. And, um, and then just a great group of young people and older people. It's really fun. It's not, um, you know, it's not like the best movie I've ever seen, but it's really sweet and really fun. And it's a great movie to watch with kids, you know, for, for that reason. Netflix put both of those films out, um, and uh, they've gotten a lot of play over the years. The next one I want to mention is something from 2021. So uh, as of this recording, this is just a year old, this film. It's called A Boy Called Christmas. And it really is the origin story of St. Nicholas. So there's a young boy called Nicholas, of course. And he goes in search of his father, um, who left the village to um, to go on a quest. Um, and so he takes with him a reindeer named Blitzen, a loyal pet mouse. And uh, eventually, of course, he meets his destiny, which is to be uh, St. Nicholas or Santa Claus. This movie has a lot of darkness to it, not in a bad way at all, but it's just, um, even though it is like a kid's movie, again, it's another Netflix film. Uh, you know, it kind of has sort of that Harry Potter-esque darkness about it. 
Um, the young kid that played Nicholas is really wonderful, Henry Lawful. And then there's some incredible actors who are in the um, the, ser- the uh, film as well. Maggie Smith is in it, who, uh, you know, almost any film that Maggie Smith is in, I've got to watch it. Michael Huisman is in it, who is a um, actor from Treme, which was uh, the follow-up TV series to The Wire, that David Simon's production. Uh, Kristen Wiig is in it, and then one of my favorite, um, all, one of my favorite actresses, Sally Hawkins, is also in it. Sally Hawkins was in uh, Shape of Water and also um, uh, Happy Go Lucky. So those are two great Sally Hawkins films. If you uh, know her or sort of know her, but would like to hear see more of her. And then the next, the next two, I'll probably spend just a slightly bit more time on because they are um, LGBTQ films that came out in the last couple of years. So we've been, you know, the LGBTQ community has been really underrepresented, underrepresented in in the media in general. Um, however, things have been getting better. But when it comes to like those holiday films, those sort of fluffy, fun rom coms, we've been really, really underrepresented. Now, now that's not to say that there's not been over the years some really great um, indie rom coms, really great indie rom coms, but those films never got to the general public. So I'm going to even talk about one of those films in a few minutes called Make the Yuletide Gay, which is a really fun indie uh, gay male rom com that came out a long time ago at this point. Uh, However, it never got wide release, so the general public never got exposed to these films. And the whole point, I feel, and especially in 2022, of creating LGBTQ content is that we're not creating it just so that other LGBT people can view it. We're creating it because everybody needs to view it. Just like I watch... um, films from India, or I watch films uh, with an African-American perspective. Uh, Whatever um, ethnicity or group that you are a part of, it, the, the media that's surrounding that isn't just created for for you, it's created, it should be created for everyone. Now, I'm not saying created as in like water it down or dumb it down, not at all. I'm saying that People who are not a part of that community should welcome diversity and inclusion. So two really great films that came out. The first one came out in 2020, which was two years ago. It's called Happiest Season. It's a lesbian rom-com for the holiday season. Really, really, really fun. I mean, I actually waited a year to watch this, which was crazy. Um, but Kristen Stewart stars in it. Mackenzie Davis um, and their girlfriends who end up going back to uh, one of the characters' homes for the holidays. And it's, of course, discovered that um, while the Kristen Stewart character wants to propose to her girlfriend, uh, she doesn't realize that her girlfriend has yet to come out to her families, in particular her conservative parents. So just a wonderful, wonderful cast in this. Aubrey Plaza is in it, who is kind of all over the place and really lovely. Um, Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek is in it as well. Uh, This is just a fun movie that I will probably watch um, at least once a year um, or at least once every other year or something just because it's just a great holiday movie and who doesn't love a good lesbian rom-com. It's also directed by Clea Duvall, who's been an actress in her own right as well and has started directing. Sort of the match to that is a year later, last year in 2021, um, Netflix produced Single All the Way. Oh, by the way, going back, Happiest Season is Hulu, 
And then Single All the Way, which is the next film that we'll talk about, is a Netflix-produced film. So both of these streaming services sort of beat everybody else in producing a um, LGBT-led, character-led, um, or character-driven rom-com about the holidays. So Single All the Way is a fantastic, fun, frothy, really sweet uh, film about a young man who needs to go back to his parents' house and his long-term roommate, their best friends, they share everything, but they're not romantically involved, um, is coming back to uh, with him and he decides that he is going to announce that they are a couple just because of various sort of madcap uh, you know family dynamics that goes on in these in these rom-coms. There's a lot of tropes in both of these films, but in a very I say that in a very good and sweet and loving way because because they work. So um, Michael Urie plays the lead in this. His roommate, um, who becomes his sort of fake boyfriend, so to speak, uh, is Philemon Chambers, who does a fantastic job. And Michael's ex is Luke McFarlane, which uh, some of you may re- re- uh, remember from Brothers and Sisters. And then some of you, if you're Hallmark watchers, he's done a mountain of Hallmark films. Um, so he's a gay, uh, openly gay actor who's actually performed in a lot of Hallmark films uh, um, in like straight rom-coms. Um, also, Jennifer Coolidge and Kathy Najimy are both in this as well. It's just like packed with like really fun laughs. It's a really sweet film. It's great to watch to get you ready and put you in the mood for the holidays. Um, and I, I just can't, I can't recommend either of these enough. Just really fantastic. Uh, Single All the Way is still streaming on Netflix and Happiest Season is also still streaming on Hulu. All right, so rolling sort of, again, rolling sort of backwards from there, um, I want to take a moment and just talk about Carol, the film Carol, which is a 2015, uh, I would not call it a romance film, although there is romance in it, and romance is the centerpiece in it, but I really think it's um, more of a drama and a period film. So uh, Todd Haynes, one of my favorite directors, uh, directed this piece back in 2015. Um, Phyllis Nagy did the screenplay for it, and it's based on a Patricia Highsmith book called The Price of Salt, which Highsmith actually wrote a long time ago, back in the mid-20th century, and uh, was so paranoid that she um, published it under a pen name at the time. It stars Kate Blanchett, Runa Mara as the couple, um, sort of the doom. I guess you could call them the doomed couple because it takes place in 1952. Um, and then Sarah Paulson's in it, who, you know, like, I mean, how can you not love everything that Sarah Paulson is in? Jake Lacey is in it. Kyle Chandler's in it. Really, really great supporting cast as well. So it's 1952. The two women meet. They start an affair. And of course, because it's 1952, uh, there's a lot of complications and a lot of really icky um, things that happen to these women and that sort of keep them from staying together. I'm not going to give away the actual entirety of the film because that wouldn't be fair to all of you but um, those of you who are worried about a really horrible ending don't be worried it's not a really horrible ending that's all I'm gonna say about it this is one of my favorite films it's uh, I just think it ranks right there with Far From Heaven for Todd Haynes this would actually be a great double header to watch Far From Heaven and Carol together there's a lot of similarities between the two films especially with the supporting characters in them Um, So just a beautiful, beautiful film. And again, going backwards uh, chronologically, this takes us back to 2015. 
Then I have a couple of indies and even a TV thing that I want to talk about that took place a little bit earlier than that. There's a very sweet um, gay indie film that came out in 2009 called Hollywood Je T'aime, the French phrase for I love you. So Hollywood, I love you. Um, This was a great film about a young French guy who wants to come, decides he's having a really shitty life with his boyfriend. He decides the boyfriend dumps him. He decides to sort of drop everything and see if he can come over to Hollywood and make it as an actor. So he comes over here. And in the meantime, he sort of meets kind of a hodgepodge group of people who are, uh, for various reasons, a lot of them are sort of down on their luck, but they are really endearing and really sweet. And he ends up forming sort of a a family um, with them. And there is one really pivotal Christmas scene in this film. So this is not really a Christmas movie, um, but there's a one really fabulous pivotal Christmas scene in here that's really, really worth watching. And it's a great indie film, again. So lots of fun. I mentioned earlier about Make the Yuletide Gay. So there's been lots of conversation because of the movie Bros coming out this year. There's been lots of conversation about um, what does a rom-com mean for an LGBT audience or for a gay male audience or for a lesbian audience, um, all those things. And the way that the film Bros was marketed was it was the first gay rom-com from a major Hollywood studio. And that is true. So something like Make the Yuletide Gay came out in 2009. It was a rom-com or what we call um, a romantic comedy. And it starred a lot of unknowns and a couple of uh, character actors in there. And it never really a lot of people never really knew about it. It was really a small film. It played at, you know, LGBT film festivals and then came out on DVD and that was kind of the end of it. Although it is available on Amazon Prime. It's just a sweet, sweet, sweet film. Um, and I love indie films. I just think like I, I just my heart goes out to everyone who makes their own films and, and comes up with the budgets for their films. It's a, just a really, really sweet film directed by a guy named Rob Williams starring, um, you know, uh, well, Adam Ruggiero is in it. Keith Jordan is in it. Um, and then Gates McFadden is actually in it, who was in Star Trek uh, as Dr. Crusher in Star Trek. So lots of fun. Uh, definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it before. And if you're in the mood for something indie and holiday and sweet and romantic. And again, it's also sort of a mistaken, not mistaken identity, but it's like a closet thing where the one of the characters comes back and goes back in the closet for the holidays. And then they have to figure out how to how to bring him out of the closet. And then for the next few minutes, we're just going to sort of explode with Christmas confetti because uh, I love, um, I absolutely um, love Christmas at Pee Wee's Playhouse. This is my absolute favorite holiday, uh, I'm sorry, holiday spectacular, like a TV variety show of all time. And here's why. Here's the list of people that are in this film, along with Paul Rubens, who plays Pee Wee Herman. We've got Annette Funicello. We have Whoopi Goldberg, Frankie Avalon, Grace Jones, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> Little Richard, Charo, Katie Lang, Zsa Zsa Gabor, Cher, Dinah Shore, Magic Johnson, Lawrence Fishburne, Esapatha Merkinson, and a lot of other people. The Del Rubio tri- triplets, um, John Paragon, who plays Jombie. Um, all the people that play characters um, on from Pee-wee's Playhouse are in it as well, obviously. This is the most craziest 
bizarre 1988 TV special that you could ever imagine. And it is so sweet and so much fun. I have it on DVD. I play it every freaking year. I just love it. Um, I love the music. I love the intro. I love everything about it. All the kooky guest stars. Um, Katie Lang sings. This is like sort of this is pre her success when she was still sort of rockabilly and wearing sort of um, gender fuck clothes and stuff. Just really fun. Um, Oprah Winfrey makes a tiny little appearance. Charo sings uh, a song. Grace Jones sings the little drummer boy. <laughs> it's just like it's bizarro world. And it's so much fun. So check that out. All right. So there's uh, two more things before we get to the big hitters, um, which are the really classic uh, Christmas movies that people think of when they think of Christmas. Not all the movies, because I'm not a lover of all the Chris- old Christmas movies, but the two that I love very much, Christmas in Connecticut and White Christmas, we're going to get to in just a minute. So I have two more sort of categories to go through. One is really incredible foreign films. I have two French uh, holiday films that are just phenomenal. And then all of the TV series that do Christmas so well. So I am going to start off with the uh, foreign films, then I'm going to talk about TV, and then we'll get into the classics after that. So there's two foreign Christmas films that are just just beautiful. And um, so I would love to uh, just do plugs for both of them. The first one is called Uncanto Noel, which um, translates to A Christmas Tale. Both of these films are about family dysfunction in a really crazy big way. So lots of fun. Um, Catherine, Catherine Deneuve is in this one. She plays the matriarch. Um, she has uh, She's sort of fighting illness. Um, and the whole plot of the movie revolves around... Um, her adult children, uh, who likes, who, who's loved the most by the parents, the father and the mother. Um, there's some grandchildren involved. Uh, it's just real, lots of cigarette smoking, um, people as in like French culture, uh, wives of, uh, the children, like wives of one of the sons. They're all adults. They're all like in their thirties is actually sleep, ends up sleeping with, one of the cousins. Uh, it's a very long story, and everybody's happy about it <laughs> because it's France, um, and it's just a really, really um, it's it's crazy and insane, and everybody's smoking cigarettes. But it's just a lovely, lovely film. Very complicated. I showed this at the library a couple years ago. I actually did a foreign film, um, a really short, just these two films. Actually, these two films we're talking about. Actually, I did three films. Um, I did Joy Noel, which is an incredible uh, international film. So there's English, there's French, there's German and um, speaking uh, actors in there. And it's about the truce during World War One between uh, the three armies, between the Scottish army, the French army and the German army army for Christmas Eve. So that's Joyeux Noël. That's a beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, that was I played that as part of the thing. I played Uncanto Noël. And then the third film that I played is probably my favorite foreign film, um, Christmas film movie, holiday movie, which is called La Bouche. La Bouche is uh, translated to the Yule Log. And La Bouche is just a famous uh, baked good that people make during uh, the, you know, the, it's a Yule log that they bake during the holidays. Another crazy dysfunctional family, but in a very different way. Um, this one just has a lot of heart about uh, a, a father, like the patriarch of the family. And then the children, the, the three sisters um, are very kooky. 
um, and very, um, they're all very, very, very different. One is really straight laced. Uh, another one is uh, getting older, has never been married. She's a singer and uh, she's uh, in a long-term affair with a married man. And um, it just, it, you know, it it's just really, really um, just the dynamic between all the children is really fun. And it also has a kick-ass killer soundtrack of like 50s and 60s American holiday songs that are just gorgeous. So um, so much fun. Just really fun. Both of those, actually all three of those films, I mentioned Joy Noel. I should have talked about that a little in a little bit more detail, but all three of these films are really wonderful films. Um, they're all subtitled. Uh, there's a bit more English in Joy Noel than the other two. The other two are really classic French films, um, but worth every minute of reading subtitles. I know some of you out there hate subtitles. Um, I don't mind it. The only time I can't do it is on Friday night after a long week of work, but otherwise I'm good. And a lot of people I know are actually using subtitles all the time now because a lot of films you have trouble hearing people, the dialogue, or it's an accent from, say, Scotland, and it sounds like another foreign language anyway. So that is um, all of the, um, all three of the international holiday films. So now I'm going to discuss just very briefly, I'm going to touch on TV because I want to savor the most, the bulk of this for uh, those other two films. So, uh, you, you know, you all know I love TV. I've loved TV since I was a kid. Um, these TV shows that I'm going to mention are just my favorite TV shows. Um, if you have favorite TV shows, um, I'm sure and hopefully there are Christmas um, or Hanukkah or holiday specials um, for each, special episodes for each of these series. I love when they do that. So Bewitched is my first go-to. I always end up playing one or two of the Bewitched holiday episodes, especially the one with Tabitha and her African-American friend who, um, by magic, they end up having polka dots. Um, it's really, it was actually, the story was written by a group of school children, and then the TV series uh, writers group adapted it, and it won an Emmy. It's just a really beautiful film, and uh, every time uh, Samantha and Darren do uh, the holidays, it's lots of fun, and of course, a little bit of mayhem because of all of her kooky uh, relatives. Uh, the Partridge family uh, had one, one, one holiday episode, and it was uh, kicked it out of the park. It's got um, Dean Jagger in it, who starred in White Christmas, who I'll speak about in a minute. Um, and it was just fantastic, and it makes me cry every time I watch it. I'm kind of getting slightly <laughs> teary-eyed just saying that right now. It just was a really, really lovely Lovely, lovely film. Um, after that, uh, the early 2000s brought us Queer as Folk and Six Feet Under. And Queer as Folk had a phenomenal one-shot Christmas episode. Um, I don't want to say much more than that because it talks about... It It revolves around... Um, I'm just going to say it revolves around um, grief. That's all I'm going to say. Um, again, it's one of those episodes that makes me cry. The Partridge Family and the Queerest Folk episode make me cry every time I watch them. And I try to watch them every year, even if I'm just listening to them um, while I'm wrapping presents in the dining room or something like that. Six Feet Under also had an incredible um, Christmas episode, season two. And The West Wing uh, had an amazing Christmas episode every year it was on. So all six seasons has have a Christmas episode. Those are really fun to find. And my uh, favorite current 
contemporary series Downton Abbey had a number of really magical, lush, um, just opulent Christmas episodes. So all of those are really fun. Definitely check them out. And like I said, probably whatever TV shows you've loved as a kid or as an adult, you'll find Christmas episodes. Hopefully, if not, they weren't a very good TV show. So here we are. We're towards getting towards the uh, final stretch. And so now, of course, I want to talk about two of my absolute favorite, what anybody would call classic Hollywood 20th century Christmas films. First one is Christmas in Connecticut with Barbara Stanwyck. And the next one is White Christmas. So Christmas in Connecticut was from 1945. It's really a rom-com, mistaken identity uh, sort of trope film. But of course, it's Barbara Stanwyck and um, directed by Peter Godfrey. It was a Warner Brothers film that came out. It was just gigantic and the script was great. Um, really lots of fun. So so it ended up being great. So Barbara Stanwyck um, is sort of a modern day, like an, not a modern day. She's a... Um, a post-World War II sort of Martha Stewart character. Uh, Although she's single, well, Martha Stewart was single as well, Um, but Barbara Stanwyck is single and actually has no idea how to cook. She has no idea how to keep a home. So her whole persona, she's a magazine writer, and her whole persona in this magazine is completely created by the publisher. Um, Or by, actually, I should say by her, because the publisher actually thinks she can do it. Um, she's, uh, got this guy who's after her named, uh, Dudley Beecham played by Robert Shane. Uh, she has no interest in him, but he really wants, uh, wants her bad. And then, uh, kind of her best friend slash sidekick is this guy that runs, that owns a restaurant, uh, either downstairs or within the same block of where she lives in Manhattan. And his name is Felix and she calls him uncle Felix actually. And the character actor S.Z. Sakal Um, played him and just did a wonderful, wonderful job. If you want to know more about Christmas in Connecticut, I would suggest um, watching on YouTube, Tired Old Queen at the Movies. Um, You can just type in either Steve Hayes, which is the guy who does Tired Old Queen, or you can just type in Tired Old Queen at the Movies and then do Christmas in Connecticut. And he does a great uh, backstory on... um, S.C. Sakal and how wonderful of an actor he was. Dennis Morgan plays the sort of hubba hubba love interest for Barbara Stanwyck, although she's supposed to be married and supposedly has a child. So there's whole this whole thing of mistaken identity and farce, and it's really fun. Sydney Greenstreet plays uh, the publisher, Alexander Yardley, and Reginald Gardner plays uh, her um, Barbara's... uh, boss i guess uh he's he's works he works in the publishing industry as well lots of fun stanwick is at her absolute finest she just has impeccable timing she's gorgeous um and her she and dennis together just make a really really pretty couple so you can't be watching christmas in connecticut and especially if you're like me and actually live in connecticut it's even sort of a double wonderful thing to do and now (laughs) I don't know how long I've done, how long has this been so far? How long have I recorded? Because now I'm going to get into, so we're at the 28 minute mark. So now I'm going to get into White Christmas and I'm going to talk about White Christmas and all the wonderful things uh, that I love about White Christmas and why you uh, probably love it too, or maybe you haven't seen it in a long time, or maybe you've never seen it, so you need to watch it. 
So, you know, a lot of people grew up on It's a Wonderful Life. Um, people grew up on uh, what was the one from the 80s, like A Christmas Story, I think it was called, with the little kid. I never I never got into that. I never got into It's a Wonderful Life. Um, what I did get into was White Christmas. So my family had very few um, traditions, but one of them was every time White Christmas was on, and this was way back before cable, so White Christmas would be on once a year, and no matter what, when it was on, I guess it was usually on on a weekend, but no matter when it, when it was on, uh, we managed to be at home all together, and we would watch it, and somehow over the course of my childhood, I managed, you know, watching it once a year, I managed to memorize most of the songs, so we would sing along with the songs, we would dance to the dance numbers, um, it just was magic to me. And of course, it was my parents' generation. It was made in 1954. It take, takes place uh, during and after World War II, which was my parents' generation. Um, it's totally fake. Of course, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's Bing Crosby, it's Danny Kaye. Um, Bing Crosby was a big uh, Broadway guy, like a, not really, a, more of a cabaret sort of guy. And then uh, Danny Kaye ends up um, wheedling his way in to be, and they become like a buddy act. They meet Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen, who are a sister act uh, called the Haynes Sisters. And the four of them sort of uh, go through this film trying to figure out whether they're going to end up together as two couples, um, whether the girls will join them, uh, will join the boys and become uh, big, successful stars. And uh, and then there's a whole subplot of their, um, their, their major general in the army um, was uh, now owns an inn in Vermont and there's no snow at the inn. And so they come um, and decide to sort of change his luck because he's having, he's really down in his luck. He's having a lot of problems holding onto the property. So Bing and Danny decide to come on. And of course, again, there's sort of mistaken identity and all these things. And, um, and there's uh, a little bit of drama, but it's incredible. It's just an incredible film. You know, it, the reason I think why I love it so much is because it was not originally made to be this spectacular musical. It was more of a um, pop film that was created. So initially, the big movie was Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. Um, not the same kind of a movie, but a similar kind of movie. But Holiday Inn came out in 42. White Christmas came out 12 years later in 52. Um, but Holiday Inn had similar sort of... So by the time White Christmas came out, it was like, oh, another Bing Crosby movie, but only 12 years later, where um, he wants to own... You know, not he's not owning an inn this time, like Holiday Inn, but he's at an inn. Um, and it was a lot of... I, I feel like there were a lot of people that thought it was sort of the... Um, you know, the stepchild of like the not so great stepchild of Holiday Inn. Um, fast forward, the movie that has really survived has been White Christmas. White Christmas is loved and heralded um, by a cross section of the population of younger people, older people. As a result, um, or, or in contrast, Holiday Inn has a really, really, um, really inappropriate um, blackface scene. And so it's very difficult to now watch and sort of love Holiday Inn because of that. It's really marred by that. 
Um, so White Christmas, um, and I do feel like the reason why White Christmas has been embraced so much by generation after generation after generation is because it wasn't this highbrow film. It was a film that was made for the masses um, at the time. But because it had these powerhouse people in it, the four of them in particular, the four leads, um, it just it just it, it's just wonderful, and it's a, it's an amazing amazing film. Um, I've had it in every uh, every iteration. I've had it on VHS. I've had it on DVD. I've had it on blue Blu Ray. I have several copies on Blu Ray because they keep coming out with new editions. Um, Rosemary Clooney, uh, before she died, at one point did a really great uh, audio narration of the film, talking about her remembrances of the film. So that was really lovely. There's a huge age difference between her and Bing Crosby. I think he was 52 at the time, and she was like something like 24, um, which was crazy. Um, Danny Kaye was not supposed to be in the film. He was the third choice. Donald O'Connor and I do think Fred Astaire were the first two choices. But you cannot imagine, after you watch this film, you absolutely cannot imagine this film without Danny Kaye in it. He's so integral and so, so sweet. Um, Vera Ellen was a dancer. She was not a singer. So all of her, um, all of her voice has been dubbed um, by someone else. So Rosemary Clooney has this really great number where she sings at a nightclub in New York City in the middle of the film, or actually probably the third act or so of the film. And one of the dancers is George Sakiris. Um, so again, this was made in 54. Um, so seven years later in 61, he starred as Bernardo in West Side Story. Um, and he's very, if you know his his face, he's very. it's very easy to find him out of the three dancers. Um, really fun. There's so many good... Uh, there's a number called choreography that Danny Kaye is sort of making fun of um, modern dance um, and and his physicality with his comedy just makes it so much fun. Uh, there are um, heartfelt things. I mean, I sob in the beginning. I sob at the end every, every time. No matter how I'm watching it, if I'm paying attention, if I'm not paying attention, when that ending happens, there's a certain point where... Um, where a cake comes out, I'm just going to say that <laughs> there's a big cake that comes out towards the end in a celebration scene. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. If you've never seen the film, that just like rips at my heartstrings every time and is so much fun. Um, I just fell in love with Rosemary Clooney from this movie. Um, you know, when I was a child and followed her career off and on. One of my big regrets. I don't really have a lot of me, um, what I would call like media regrets. But there's a couple people that I really, really um, could kick myself for not going to see, and she's one of them. I should have gone to see her. She used to do cabaret in New York City, even in the early '90s when I was still when I was there. So I wish I would have seen her, but I didn't. Um, and she's gone now. They're all gone. All four of them are gone. She lived the longest out of the four of them. Um, but White Christmas is just—it's silly. It's magical. It's uh, fairy tale. The costumes are fantastic. Uh, you know, the, the the plot is very, very light and frothy. Um, the in the background, the back and forth between the four leads, uh, all four of them just really hold their own with each other. It's just wonderful. There's great, great um, supporting actors that are in it. 
Um, and the film is just so wonderful. It's so great to watch as a family. It's great to watch if you're wrapping presents. It's a great thing to watch if you're baking. Uh, the soundtrack is phenomenal. And it's just my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I think of my mom. I think of uh, my siblings and my dad and my mom growing up. Um, and I just uh, have so many wonderful memories of this film all throughout the course of my life. It's just really, really touches my heart so much. And that is it. So that is my take on um, older films uh, with a holiday spirit and whether they've survived the test of time. And obviously you can tell from the ones that I'm talking to you about, they have absolutely survived the test of time. So uh, we are at the end of another podcast. So uh, again, my name is Philip Barr. I'm Real Charlie. I have a blog called Real Charlie, which I review film and television. And this podcast, Real Charlie Speaks, is a spinoff from that blog. So thank you so much for joining me on another episode, another adventure, another peek back in time um, to something that's old and how much I loved it back then and what I think about it today. Obviously, all of these films and TV series, um, I pick the ones that I absolutely love. So, of course, they all help. They all hold up. They all give me sort of goosebumps and they all make me smile um, and put me into that holiday spirit. So, happy holidays to all of you, no matter what time of the year you're listening to this and what year it is. And we will see you, um, I will see you, um, I will see you next month for another episode of Real Charlie Speaks. Thanks, everyone. Take care.